The Torah content for this week has been sponsored by Judah and Naomi Dardik in honor of Rabbi Moskowitz's second yard site and in appreciation for all those whose love of Torah and excitement for ideas shines in their teaching. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Machshava Lab podcast, where we explore a wide range of topics in Jewish philosophy, Jewish ethics, Chumash, Nach, Halacha, methodology, and other random things that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, I would like to get into the habit of making audiobook versions of the articles I write and have written for my blog, Kol Hasaridim, and I'd like to emphasize the articles that I've written on uh, the Parsha. So this week's Parsha is Parsha's Korach, and I am going to now read an article that I wrote in June 2017 called What Happened to Korach? And the link to the actual article with a PDF will be found in the show notes. Um, And I think what I'll do is, since this was originally written uh, as an article, I will... uh, I'll I'll still read all of the uh, the headings, uh, just to give you a sense of where it is in the article. Heading, introduction. (laughs) Sounds weird. What happened to Korach is a simple question, and one might assume that it has a simple answer. I wager that if you took a poll, most Jews would respond, Hashem made a miracle, causing the earth to swallow Korach and his followers alive. That's what I thought until I actually looked into the issue and realized that the answer isn't so simple. Heading, review of the facts. First, let's review the sequence of events. As you read this summary, be on the lookout for an answer to our question. Korach, Dasen, and Aviram, Onben, Peles, and 250 leaders stand up in opposition to Moshe Rabbeinu and Aharon, saying, It is too much for you, for the entire assembly, all of them are holy. Why do you exalt yourselves over the congregation of Hashem? Uh, that's in Bamidbar 16.3. And parenthetical note, many Mepharshim say that these 250 leaders were firstborns who were bitter about the fact that their role of serving in the Mikdash was taken away and given to the Levim and Kohanim. That's why they joined Korach in his attempt to take back the Kohuna, the priesthood, from the Kohanim. Uh, end parentheses. Moshe responds, quote, Tomorrow Hashem will make known who is his own and the Holy One, and he will draw him close. And whomever he will choose, he will draw close to himself. End quote. Moshe instructs these men to take fire pans and bring ketores, incense, before Hashem, who will then make known his choice through his acceptance or rejection of the ketores. Moshe rebukes Korach. He calls him out on his populist campaign and exposes his true motive, the desire to seize the kahuna gadola, the high priesthood from Aaron, which Korach felt was his birthright. Moshe attempts to reason with the Dasan and Aviram. They spurn him, insult him, challenge his authority, and accuse him of despotism. Moshe is angry and turns to Hashem. The next day, Korach and his 250 followers congregate in front of the Ohel Moed, the Tent of Meeting. Korach assembles the rest of Bnei Israel to witness what will happen, with Dasan and Aviram and their followers standing nearby. Hashem declares his intent to destroy all of Klai Israel. Moshe intercedes on their behalf. Hashem responds by telling Moshe to urge Bnei Israel to distance themselves from around the tents of Korach, Dasan, and Aviram, and not to touch anything of theirs, quote, lest they perish because of all their sins, end quote. Moshe announces that a test will be done to establish, quote, that Hashem sent me to perform all these acts, that it was not from my heart, end quote. If these men die a normal death, then Moshe's status as a shliach, as a messenger of Hashem, is a sham. But if Hashem miraculously causes the earth to swallow up these men and their possessions, quote, then it will be known that these men provoked Hashem, end quote. Immediately, quote, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all the people who were with Korach and the, and the entire wealth. They and all that was theirs descended alive to the pit. The earth covered them over and they were lost from the congregation, end quote. But Israel flee, fearing that the earth will swallow them as well. The chapter ends with the fate of Korach's group, quote, a flame came forth from Hashem and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense, end quote. Heading, ambiguity in the Torah Bechsav's account. Notice anything? The Psukim never explicitly say what happened to Korach. In fact, there is a great deal of textual ambiguity. On the one hand, the Psukim imply that Korach was among 
quote, those wicked men, end quote, who were swallowed up with Dasan and Aviram. If Korach's followers, household, and wealth were swallowed, it is certainly reasonable to assume that Korach himself was swallowed. On the other hand, the Pesukim state that Korach was trying to prove that he deserved to be the Kohen Gadol, and Moshe's whole test of offering the Ketoris was seemingly designed around Korach's challenge. On that basis, it would be reasonable to assume that Korach was among the 250 men who offered the Ketoris, and he was burned in the fire like they were. The three other accounts of the Korach rebellion in Tanakh only add layers to this ambiguity. Later on in Sefer Midbar, in Parshas Pinchas, the Torah states, quote, Dasan and Aviram were the ones who were summoned by the assembly, who contended against Moshe and Aaron among the assembly of Korach when they contended against Hashem. Then the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and Korach with the death of the assembly when the fire consumed the 250 men and they became a sign. But the sons of Korach did not die. End quote. That was from Bamibar 26, 9 through 11. It seems clear from here that Korach did get swallowed up along with Dasan and Aviram and was not burned in the fire with the 250 men. Yet in Sefer Devarim, when Moshe lists the miraculous events that occurred in Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, and in the Midbar, the wilderness, he says, quote, Remember what he, capital H, did to Dasan and Aviram, the sons of Eliav ben Reuven, when the earth opened its mouth wide and swallowed them, and their households and their tents and all the fortunes at their feet in the midst of all Israel, end quote, Devarim 11.6. No mention of Korach whatsoever. Similarly, when David HaMelech is going over the miraculous events of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and the Midbar and Sefer Tehillim, he writes, quote, They were jealous of Moshe in the camp and of Aaron, Hashem's only holy one. The earth opened and swallowed Dasan and covered over the company of Aviram, and a fire burned amid their company, a flame set the wicked ablaze. That's from Tehillim 106, 15 through 17, end quote. Again, there's no mention of Korach being swallowed up in the earth, or being burned in the fire, for that matter. Only Dasan and Aviram are identified as being swallowed up, and the Pasuk doesn't specify which wicked people were burned. Heading, Chazal's answer. As we might expect, Chazal noted these difficulties and offered two possible answers to our question, neither of which is what we would expect. The Gemara in Sanhedrin 10a states, uh, so this is a quote from the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan said, Korach was not among those who were swallowed by the earth, nor was he among those who were burned. He wasn't among those who were swallowed, as it is written, all the people who belong to Korach, which implies them, but not Korach. He wasn't among those who were burned, as it was written, when the fire consumed the 250 men, which implies that the fire consumed them, but not Korach. Okay, so that's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Then the Gemara goes on, it was taught in a brisa, Korach was among those who were burned, and he was among those who were swallowed. He was among those who were swallowed, as it is written, and the earth swallowed them and Korach. He was among those who were burned, as it was written, a fire went forth from before Hashem and consumed the 250 men. And Korach was with them, since he too was vying for the kuhuna. Uh, end quote from the Gemara. Neither Rabbi Yochanan nor the author of the Brisa maintained that Korach was only swallowed up or only burned. Either he was swallowed and burned, that would be the Brisa, or he was neither, that would be Rabbi Yochanan. A couple of factual loose ends remain. According to Rabbi Yochanan, how did Korach die? Rashi explains, um, he was not among those who were swallowed, nor was he among those who were burned. Rather, he died in the plague. Uh... That is the end quote from Rashi. According to Rashi, Rabbi Yochanan holds that Korach died in the plague described in the next chapter, in which 14,000 of Bnei Israel died as a punishment for complaining against Moshe and Aaron and accusing them of killing the 250 leaders who offered the incense. And according to the Brisa, how is it possible that Korach was burned to death and swallowed alive? Rashi explains. He was among those who were burned, and he was among those who were swallowed. His soul was burned, i.e. a fire killed him, but his body was still intact, and afterwards his body rolled to the place of those who were swallowed, and it was swallowed, as it is written in Parshas Pinchas, and it swallowed them and Korach with them, and Korach was with them. 
The Brysa cites a proof uh, from that which was written, and it consumed the 250 men who offered the incense. And Korach was among those who offered the incense, as it was written, 250 fire pans, and you and Aaron, each man with his fire pan, meaning you being Korach. Okay, so new heading, the significance of the Machlokas. The very existence of this Machlokas, combined with the fact that both views are defensible from a textual standpoint, indicates that nobody actually knows for sure what happened to Korach. Each of these sides is speculating and citing textual evidence for support. The question for us is, what is this Machlokas really about? What is the crux of this Machlokas? Surely Rabbi Yochanan and the author of the Brisa would concede that the text is ambiguous. That being said, what non-textual argument would each side bring to support his view? Um, and this is a methodological reminder. This is a midrash we're dealing with here, and the purpose of midrashim is to teach ideas, not history. That's why we're interested in what we learn from this midrash rather than what actually happened. Heading, Maharal's explanation of the Brisa. The Maharal provides a solid explanation of the Brisa. It is important for you to know that Dasan and Aviram, who quarreled with Moshe, did not seek the kahuna at all. They were just sinful and evil men who wanted to quarrel with Moshe. However, the 250 men did seek the kahuna, as is clear from the Pasuk, which says, the 250 men who offered incense. Therefore, Dasan and Aviram were swallowed, but the 250 men were not swallowed, but burned. For this is what is befitting for someone who seeks a position of greatness and distinction, which is not appropriate to him. Their intent was not for the sake of opposing Moshe's authority, but because they wanted the prominence and distinction of the kahuna. All of this is evident from the Pesukim, and there's no need to go on at length about it. Korach was the cause of the quarrel with Moshe, and he was the cause of the 250 men wanting the kahuna. In the Brisa, it was taught that both punishments befell him, since both sins were found in him. End quote from the Maharal. This explanation is quite intuitive. There were really two chataim, two sins here, quarreling with Moshe and seeking the kahuna. Those who sinned by starting up with Moshe, i.e. Dasan and Aviram, were punished by being swallowed up by the earth. Those who sinned by illicitly offering the Ketoros because they wanted the Kahuna, i.e. the 250 men, were punished by being burned. And since Korach led both groups and partook of both Chataim, he received both punishments. Heading. Maharal's explanation of Rabbi Yochanan. This leaves us with Rabbi Yochanan. Why, according to Rabbi Yochanan, should Korach have suffered neither punishment and instead died in the subsequent plague, along with the 14,000 other members of Bnei Israel who didn't have an active role in either of the two groups of sinners? The Maharal offers an answer along the lines of his explanation of the Brisa. Quote, If Korach had been swallowed, he wouldn't have received the punishment that was befitting of the 250 men who sought the kahuna, and if he had been burned, he wouldn't have received the punishment that was befitting for him because of his quarrel, for he did join with Dasan and Aviram. Therefore, Rabbi Yochanan said that he wasn't among those who were swallowed, nor was he among those who were burned. Instead, death simply came to him, and by dying a regular death, it was equal to both of the other punishments. According to the Maharal, since Korach was in an awkward position of deserving both punishments, he simply died. Uh, so as not to detract from either of the two punishments by subjecting him to the other one. Moreover, it would seem that unlike Rashi, who holds that Korach died in the plague sent by Hashem to kill Bnei Israel, the Maharal holds that he died a regular natural death. Heading. Difficulties with the Maharal's answer. In my humble opinion, this answer is difficult and feels a bit forced, especially in light of the Bryce's intuitive account. The punishment received by each group was mita connected mita, measure for measure. The 250 men who brought a strange fire were burned in a fire sent by Hashem, a god who was like a consuming fire. According to the Abravanel, Dasan and Aviram's punishment was Mita connected Mita because just as, quote, just as they opened their mouths without restraint to damage Moshe Rabbeinu's authority and lower his status in the eyes of the nation, Hashem caused the earth to open its mouth and caused them to descend to the utmost depths, end quote. Considering the educational Mita connected Mita nature of these punishments, it doesn't seem satisfying to say Korach deserved both punishments. But since he couldn't get both, he just died a regular death. Okay, uh, 
Let me read that again. I, I, I uh, vocalized that uh, in, in an unclear way. Considering the educational media connected media nature of these punishments, it doesn't seem satisfying to say Korok deserved post- both punishments, but since he couldn't get both, he just died regular death. Furthermore, the author of the Brysa would object to the premise of Rabbi Yochanan's position, saying, what do you mean he couldn't get both punishments? Hashem burned his soul, then caused his body to be swallowed by the earth. What's so difficult about that? Heading, Chassam Sofer's explanation of Rabbi Yochanan. The Chassam Sofer offers a different explanation for Rabbi Yochanan, which hinges on an often overlooked aspect of Korach's punishment that we glossed over in the Pesukim. Uh, so this is a quote from the Pesukim. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households, and all the people who were with Korach, and the entire wealth. And uh, they and all that was theirs descended alive to the pit. The earth covered them over, and they were lost from the congregation. The Chassam Sofer writes, quote, Korach was one of the wealthiest people. Everyone honored him, and the 250 princes of Israel followed after his counsel. But now, in a single moment, he found himself standing naked as the day he was born, deprived of all his tremendous wealth without a single thing remaining. For everything, even a sewing needle, was swallowed in the earth, and all of his relatives and friends were either swallowed or burned. Even his sons did tshuva and distanced themselves from him. There is no greater degradation than this. Its taste is far more bitter than death and worse than being swallowed or burned. End quote. The, according to the Chassam Sofer, Korach's punishment was Mida Kneged Mida. He sinned, he sinned by staging a coup to seize the Kahuna Gadola for the sake of personal glory, and he was punished by having every last vestige of personal glory taken away from him. This, to my mind, is a more satisfying explanation of Rabbi Yochanan's view. Heading, the crux of the Machlokas. In light of the Chassam Sofer's explanation, it turns out that the Machlokas is really more unified than it initially seemed. Both the Brisa and Rabbi Yochanan agree, A, that there were two groups of sinners, B, that each group's punishment was Mida Kneged Mida. C, that Korach was the leading cause of both Chataim. And D, that Korach's punishment was also Mida Kneged Mida. The Machlokas between the Brisa and Rabbi Yochanan centers on the question, as the cause of both Chataim, what form would Korach's Mida Kneged Mida punishment take? Let me say that again. As the cause of both Chataim, what form would Korach's Mida Kneged Mida punishment take? According to the Brisa, Korach simply received both Mida Kineged Mida punishments. In contrast, Rabbi Yochanan maintained that the combination of these two Mida Kineged Mida punishments would result in some deficiency, either because the message would be diluted, as the Maharal implied with his his explanation, or because Korach's sin as the leader was more severe than that of his followers, or because there was some super-added element within Korach's sin which was not present in either of the two groups of his followers. Either way, Korach's Mida Kneged Mida punishment took on a form specific to him, one which singled him out from both groups, removed him from the, com- the community at large, and most significantly stripped him of all the glory and power he so desperately sought, leaving him with absolutely nothing, a fate worse than death for a man of Korach's ambitions. Heading, conclusion. That's all I've got at this point. Perhaps someone can sharpen the definition of the Mach Locus. Either way, I think this is a great example of how we shouldn't rely on our elementary school level recollection of the classic episodes in the Torah, but should always read the text with fresh eyes and a fresh mind. And when we find new problems, we should search for answers and insights from the Bali Masora who preceded us and blazed these trails of understanding. Okay, so that's the end of the article. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm still experimenting with this. Uh, I felt like this article, maybe unlike the, the one I read on Schlach, lent itself more to reading you know, to text, uh, sorry, yeah, meaning more to reading it in the form of a text rather than me reading it out loud. I don't know if it was too technical to follow. Again, if you like it, give me feedback. If you didn't like it, also give me feedback. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, again, we're, we're transitioning into the summer here. So I, I want to figure out uh, how I should use my, uh, my, you know, my, my platforms, my educational platforms during the summer, if at all. That's it for today's episode.
If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbishnaywise. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbishnaywise. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneewise Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneewise, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneewise at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewise at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.